Welcome to Beer Me. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. Every week, I will have a different guest on the show to discuss different parts of the beer world. For brewers, importers, educators, this will allow us to examine the dynamic world of beer through different lenses. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. So today I'm very excited to welcome on the show uh, Julia Hers. She has been on the show before. She's been interviewed by me many times. She was interviewed by me when I first started out and I was exceptionally bad at interviewing. So she definitely had a lot of patience with me. <laughs> she is uh, the CEO and founder of Hers Muses Enterprises. She was formerly the craft beer program director for the Brewers Association, uh, and she is the author of Beer Pairing, The Essential Guide from the Pairing Pros, an exceptional uh, book for people definitely diving into pairing beer with food. So Julia, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Sarah. We're friends in uh, the person side of things, not just on the professional side. It's always great to connect with you, whether it's not over a beer like today uh, <laughs> or in the times that we've had beer and food together. No, for sure. And I am, I was spoiled because you would come to DC a decent amount um, and I would get to catch up with you. And we always had, you know, all these different places that we could go because DC is such a rich place with uh, beer options. But, you know, during this pandemic, I know we've been able to catch up a couple times, but have you been able to, you know, get into anything fun, start a new hobby? Maybe you also got into sourdough starting. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny you should say that. Uh, I did get given some friendship uh, sourdough starter. So I've been making bread since 2020 and it, nice. it just happened at, at that time. And we all, yeah, we all had our, our new things. Um, I was and am in a space because of 2020 and all the changes that I went through, really going after um, what I've avoided in the past in, in certain ways and trying to find growth in, in new ways. And that means not doing the same old, same old. So I've been drawing um, oh. and been taking a class uh, drawing with the left side of your brain. And that's been good. I've been not as diligent as I thought. I thought I'd do it every Saturday. Um, work my way through that book. I got the kit and I have been doing it and it's hard to draw stuff and shift your thinking um, from mm -hmm. left, from right brain to left brain. Um, I've been dancing, which is not my forte. Oh, Taking wow. Nia classes um, on a weekly basis. I committed to doing that for a year. Nia is a really powerful approach to dance, but it almost feels like therapy to me. Sometimes I cry, sometimes I laugh and I'm always moving and it's crazy different experience. So yes, um, I have been doing new things. Nice. That's, I've never heard of that before. Yeah, Nia, N-I-A, really powerful uh, dance approach and, and millions of people. Um, uh, certainly more female-centric, I think, mm -hmm. is uh, the, the clientele, but there's no reason why men across the land shouldn't also be doing Nia. <laughs> no, I'll have to check that out. I've over the, over the course of the year, I've challenged myself to embrace yoga a little bit more. And it's a similar experience, right? You kind of, you have certain classes where you're laughing you have certain classes where you're crying you have certain classes where you're you know struggling and pain but it the one takeaway that i learned and this is something that i've struggled with my entire life is cut yourself a break like give yourself some slack like you can you can only do the best you can in this moment and like all right you can't reach your toes but like it's really not the end of the world so do your best forget the rest that's yes. it <laughs> Recently, you were the keynote speaker uh, for the Women's International Beer Summit, and that was April 24th and 25th. 
This is a really exciting event. I, I have never personally been. Uh, how was that? How was that? Yeah, well, I think women in beer are definitely having more than a moment uh, mm. and in many ways. And we can talk about all that and the level uh, that women are, are now using our voice as a collective group and as stakeholders um, and uh, innovators in, in the beverage of beer and also on the brewing side. But it, so it was a great conference. It was first year, mm-hmm. a couple hundred women and men, 300 plus attendants. And it was all virtual as events were because in April, we still really didn't have CDC guidelines lifted in terms of travel and, and mask. So it was a, I think, one of my most favorite virtual conferences I've ever attended. And I left that weekend because it was a two-day event, um, really, really jazzed and ready to brew again to homebrew. And mm-hmm. I need I need to hold myself to that. But it was all a collection of so many Bright Minds and Women in Beer, um, Annie Johnson, who who won for uh, American Lager at the uh, American Homebrewers Association uh, National Competition years ago as the best of the best, best of show in the NHC competition. That doesn't come along every day. A, oh. winning, winning best of show at National Homebrew Competition, and B, uh, making a logger to do it, which is crazy, and and C being a woman, so she spoke. Dr. Uh, J. Uh, Nicole Jackson Beckham, my dear friend and crafted for all uh, leader, which is an amazing group, and she also at that conference announced the launching of her new Freedom organization. You can find it on the internet, and it's a gathering of home brewers. And I'm a, a founding member now because I was so mm-hmm. excited about it. You can get together with like minds virtually. Uh, bring a monthly theme to the group and the group will talk about brewing a beer tied to that monthly theme and it's all tied to social justice issues and Mm. making the beer relevant to the issues of the day and so that's where I want beer to take me right I don't want beer's not just in the glass and sure sometimes drink it out of a red cup in a parking lot at a tailgate party great yeah um, but other times it's really about where you're putting your dollars and what you're supporting by doing that and the sensory enjoyment and enhancement that it brings you on the gastronom- gastronomic side. So I really do like beer as a cause for other causes that matter to me. And, and that, you know, is a, is a great opportunity to, to dive deeper through my brewing and, and, and bring issues to light that I don't either know enough about or, or need to engage in on, you know, on a deeper level. Yeah. No, uh, Dr. J actually, I, Coordinated for her. She was a keynote speaker uh, recently for an internal conference for Marriott and just incredibly engaging, very insightful. And, you know, she definitely focuses on, okay, what are the next steps? What can we do? What are what are actionable items? Um, And I think a lot of people struggle with that. So you had mentioned that this was a this was a really powerful time for women and to kind of have their voices be heard uh, right now. And obviously the elephant in the room is the Instagram stories um, from Brianne Allen uh, at Rap Magnet. And I, my last episode that I just recorded, you may know her, uh, Katie Marisic <laughs> from the Brewers Association, the Federal Affairs Director. You know, we had talked a little bit and I had mentioned that, you know, when these stories started coming out on Instagram, I had kind of been bracing myself as a very jaded person that this would, you know, kind of circle through the media and then fizzle out and nothing would happen. And I'm seeing that there are some changes being made. There are 
shockwaves kind of running through. And it's been a really powerful experience. I mean, just just in D.C., I watched somebody who mistreated me for years get fired. I mean, it felt validating. How do you think women can use their voice kind of in this moment? I mean, obviously, they're starting to uh, speak out more on Instagram and things like that. But, you know, you are a leader um, and definitely somebody that women look to in this industry. You know, what are some really constructive ways that we can use our voices? Yeah. And you bring up um, what is going on as a kind of a refreshing reckoning in craft beer and craft beer is having its, its Me Too movement and mm-hmm. um, Me Too moment. Um, but the moments lasted since it all started on May 11th. So what started as an Instagram question uh, by one woman who you mentioned, Brianne Allen, with Notch Brewing, um, saying she went back to work because, you know, sequestering was off from COVID and she shows up on the job as head of production and, and the men on the site were like, what are you doing here? Why do you belong here? You know, same old, same old that women always mm-hmm. have to deal with um, in defending ourselves for being equals in this world, even though we're not viewed as such. That spurred her to ask um, on her Instagram account, you know, what um, types of harassment have you been subject- subjected to? And over the course of uh, a period of less than a week, more than a thousand stories of women in the, you know, started as microaggression style thing and what Brienne, Brienne went through and, and reported to uh, sexual harassment, sexual assault, assault and uh, egregious gaslighting style stories coming out of women, sometimes naming uh, the uh, offender and sometimes at least just naming and referencing the organization or brewery that they work at. And so you've had this groundswell of uh, power in numbers, right? And there is power in numbers. The, the weeks prior, when I gave the keynote at the Women's International um, Beer Summit, I did not bring up harassment. I did not bring up the, uh, the understood and egregious issues that go on because I've spent a career not bringing those up. I spent a career watching them happen to me being um, you know, inappropriately approached or touched, inappropriately um, talked about or, or um, you know, given bias and slight, et cetera. And also hearing from women um, that they were subjected to that and, um, you know, not doing enough to, I think, bring those issues to light and help with, you know, this planet Earth problem, because it's not just relegated to beer, but I, I spent a career not helping enough. So I think what happened from a very positive conference where it was the biggest gathering of, I think, brewing minds on the women's side was uh, a celebration of beer, where we stand in beer, the education we bring to the table for beer. One of the educators at the at the conference has since you know resigned from the brewery she's at and just said there's not enough progress going on and I don't have a plan B and I don't know where I'm going, but I'm not staying here. These are the examples of the power of this moment of you know a thousand plus stories coming to light. And, and yes, men leaving jobs um, or women owners scratching their heads of how did I let this happen on my watch? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't even remember the question, but Sarah, <laughs> you know, I couldn't sleep. I had issues a week later. I did a whole 15 minute YouTube video on my, my position on this. Um, I'm certainly able to share that or can send you the link to share. Yeah. Um, and what it, you know, I guess now I get back to the question. I'm not a complainer. I do like to point out uh, when I'm empowered enough, the uh, issues or roadblocks that I'm feeling. But I also like to, if I'm in that space, bring it towards what would work for me for solution, what would feel better. And I think that's really important is, you know, we need 
to recognize this is a planet Earth problem, we need to lead with the fact that um, not all men, and this is serious uh, statements that I'm making, not all men are aggressors, not all men um, are uh, offenders. I'm married to a white male and raising two young white men as sons, um, but all women are subjected to harassment. All women in our lifetime in some form, some way will be discriminated against, will be harassed or unfortunately assaulted. Um, and more than 80% of uh, what women are subjected to in the workplace is never reported. So solution-wise is, is using um, your voice and being able to say, I want a path to communicate this issue. Where you work, if you work there now, even if you don't have an issue and you're a male or a female, HR should have a handbook and you should be able to get from your employer if and when an issue like this over here happens to our organization, and this is what leaders should be thinking about too on behalf of their staff and themselves, what's our process for reporting? And how do we have independent third-party reporting? So out of house uh, is the, uh, you know, the third eye sharpened instead of reporting sometimes to the perpetrator, which is obviously going to create a chilling effect. You need out of house reporting and you need uh, a path to um, have any egregiousness, whether it's the smallest microaggression to the worst assault, be reported in a professional way. And that is a start. It's not the finish, but that was your question is what, you know, what can we put in place? And I, I think most of the time there are not avenues to feel safe to report because you think you'll lose your job or you'll never get that promotion or your pay will be affected because you're reporting it to the buddy that maybe is the, with the person, you know, of the person that was the issue or the person themselves is who you have to report to. Or there's no, you know, HR. I've, yeah, Absolutely. The, the situation I was in years ago is, you know, there was, there was the HR department didn't exist. The general manager of the restaurant was the HR you know, I, I I will say, though, it and I had said I had said this in the previous episode, you know, you kind of start replaying in your head, you know, were there moments that somebody came to me and I, I didn't do more? Or I didn't I wasn't listening or I didn't react in a way or, you know, because you're, you're trying to fit in with that culture. You're trying to fit in with that mindset. And so you're just you're you're parroting similar behavior. So it's you know, it's it's one of those things where it can definitely it can definitely be easy to spiral. And needless to say, it's been an emotional week. <laughs> yeah, it is. But I reached a place, uh, frankly, on my May 19th YouTube video that I referenced mm-hmm. where I wasn't. Um, it just it, it was more painful for me to stay silent mm-hmm. than it was to speak. Yeah. So I think that that's something to reconcile if mm-hmm. you have baggage from being a victim female or male, mm-hmm. and it's still with you today, sometimes it's more painful to keep quiet than the pain that you consciously choose by speaking up. And I think that's what's going on in beer. Um, and then you're seeing very positive evolution. Um, Brewdog is the latest uh, brewery that has a flashlight on it as of 24 hours ago. Mm-hmm. And it didn't count the numbers on the open letter. It was five-page open letter, 20-plus former employees talking about the egregious situation, according to their side of it, at the brewery um, and how fear was and is, I guess, a part of the culture where they just collectively didn't feel like, unless they were in leadership, that they had a, um, a path to change or a path for protection. And so that's, that's, that's super powerful when a group of people can get together um, from one organization and say, this is a pattern. This yeah. is not just me 
individually. And sometimes that's what it takes for um, any one individual to be able to speak up. Yeah, no, for sure. So I, I want to talk about something hopeful now that we, we went down, we went down an unexpected path, but I, I appreciate the path we went down, but I do want to talk about something hopeful. So there is something that, that you have started that I absolutely adore. It's called gray for good. As somebody who is beginning to get grays and has never dyed her hair before and is currently doing the, okay, at what point do I dye my hair? This has like fully changed my mindset. So can you please explain it? Um, Because I I absolutely love it and it makes me very happy. Sure. I love that it makes you happy. It gives me joy to bring (laughs) this this campaign to life too. And and Sarah, what you're referencing is my, my global grassroots campaign, My Time, My Dime. It's not a nonprofit yet. It might turn into that called gray for good. And the uh, double entendre is tied to encouraging particularly women because the entire name of the campaign is gray for good for all womanhood. Um, Go gray for good, right? And then while you go gray for good, use your gray hair for good. I have personally gone through the, uh, the problem and predicament of having my hair go gray, which is now pretty much I have maybe an inch or two left on the bottom. And uh, Sarah can see it through the it looks stunning. It's beautiful. Well, well, thank you. And it, the lighting also helps depending on the lighting, but it's super gray, right? I'm 53 yeah. and I've been coloring for more than 10 years. So, you know, my calculated financial costs from, you know, what I've crunched the numbers on is, is, is easily $20,000 in a lifetime. Depends on if you go to the salon or do it out of the, the box from the, uh, you know, Walgreens or CVS down the street. But the average woman spends $480 a year coloring their gray. And if there's 85, give or take, um, million women in the United States, at least, uh, and you take half that population that will color their gray and and do go gray, Mm -hmm. um, that's $20 billion a year. I think women can take what we're doing and say, let's put the color of gray hair in the conversation of being celebrated, earning respect, as opposed to the unfortunate um, hijacking of that situation has become, we are not as able, we are not as adept at what we used to do. We're aged. I mean, it's a crock, it's a crock of shit. Mm-hmm. And, and when you finally start to go gray and if you were me and you're coloring it, you're questioning your confidence in the first place. And I always questioned, why did I feel the need to color? Um, and it triggered a lot. It's like a big kind of ball of yarn. You start to tug at it on this topic and you really get at a lot of, a lot of stuff. And so when I stopped coloring, that was the hardest part. So Sarah, in your situation, you could be successful, um, have an easier time than I did by not coloring at all. Mm-hmm. And the world and you day by day, just get used to it. One gray hair, one, <laughs> one inch of growth at a time. Whereas I went through, and it was frankly, I, I got laid off last year from the national nonprofit, the Brewers Association, who I was proud to be the spokesperson on behalf of craft breweries. And, and my job was to grow demand for these craft beers. And I loved it. I didn't plan to go anywhere. And when I got laid off and, and we laid off a third of the workforce, one of the, the things I went through emotionally was, is where's my place in the professional world? And mm-hmm. by the way, I've already stopped growing, graying, uh, coloring my hair. Do I need to start coloring again just to get a job? Oh. And, and, and women will say they don't get interviews if people see their picture or when they show up and, and the gray hair is there. Um, they've often been uh, slighted for that. 
So I brought Gray for Good to life, and I want women to take that $20 billion in annual savings and not only feel celebrated and you know disrupt the conversation to bring it back to, we celebrate you. You're mature. You're wise now. We hold you up in our culture as equal and, um, and deserving of celebration, but also then to say, take your money and donate it to any one of the women and girls, one of the 50,000 estimated women and girls causes in the U.S., which, by the way only get 1.6% of the overall charitable giving based on the calculations and the data uh, that I've been exposed to from the Women's Philanthropy Institute. So in a mouthful, great for good for all womanhood is about saying, I grade, I saved, I gave. And in the end, if the campaign has success, we will get towards eradicating the gender equity gap within our lifetime because more money will be going to the, to the right places instead of, I think, uh, a place that it doesn't need to go. I absolutely love it. All right. Yeah, no. So I'm just going to not dye my hair. I'm just going to let it, let it happen. Great. And I would hope, and if you, if you, you know, I'm hoping in the first year of Great for Good and the website's greatforgood.com, G-R-A-Y-F-O-R-G-O-O-D.com. Mm-hmm. I want to see 50,000 people, men or women, child or, or, you know, adult, take $20 and consciously say, who women and girls, what women and girls cause they're donating it to. And then I feel like there'll be some traction. So hashtag great for good is how we're tracking that. Um, and there's a lot to come. And I got six months left in the year basically to, to get it going, to have me feel like I'm onto something um, that will need to be and deserves to be fueled 2022 and beyond. Yeah. No, I love it. I want to talk about some more exciting things with you. You always have all of these fun projects So I had mentioned at the top of the show um, that you have a book, Beer Pairing, The Essential Guide from the Pairing Pros. Not only are you an eloquent and engaging speaker, a brilliant mind, but you are really, really an exceptional writer. And I had read that you are also endeavoring to pitch a TV show, which in my mind, as soon as I read that, I was like, of course, of course she is. And it's going to be fabulous and perfect. So please. Tell me about that. Well, thank you. And if I can take that soundbite and send it to the production companies that I'm, I'm saying this has validity, then that will help. So I appreciate that yeah, statement. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> when you get laid off and you reinvent yourself, my business now is, is um, strategic advising to, to companies, causes, movements, and, and businesses that matter, you know, and are make the world, that will make the world a better place. And, and also on that list are, are my passion projects, my enterprises. So if I treat myself as my own client, which is the expectation I'm holding myself to as long as I can pay the bills in helping others, because that's what it's going to take, I'm adding to the list not just my Great for Good campaign, but getting out in a broad way. And Broadway is everything from TEDx talks that I'm in the mix to you know have hopefully uh, stick and get uh get the chance to present to a, a TV show and I won't, I don't know how the game is played. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's good to share all the details and then I get attention from that or it kind of backfires. But the gist is, is it's a, you know, a vision quest on the road, similar to what I did in my twenties when okay. I quit my job at CNN and didn't know what I was going to do next. Uh, broadcast journalism major right out of college, get a job at CNN. And then three years later, I'm like, Nope, not for me, but I don't know what's next. Yeah. So I went on the road for a year and then I did it again last year when I when I um, lost my job. And those vision quest trips are where I had some of the most meaningful discussions and meaningful interactions 
with people that are not necessarily in my day-to-day world, right? New people, all walks of life. And so that's the show pitch is, is kind of the vision quest on the road and getting at a lot of the, uh, the life's, um, you know, tough questions that are often not comfortable to ask, but easier to ask over a beer and some good food. And so it'll be uh, us traveling in, we have multiple modes of transportation. We're open to saying we both have motorcycles, so mm-hmm. we could do motorcycles. We could do our pop-up camper. We might be in a car Magia, and we're going to go, what we suggest is the Southeast, because I think there's a lot of challenges right now in the South and, you know, we'll get attention, but we'll also fly under the radar. And so mm-hmm. we want to go visit breweries and, and wineries and distilleries and, and talk to the people behind those community-minded beverage places and get at learnings that you can only learn in person um, by by asking those tough questions. And I think there's an audience for that type of show. And I, I do know it'll be probably female-centric. I hope as many males would watch. But as I said, there's 85 million women in the U.S. that are 35 to 70. And, and I'd love to get a, a um, group of of that demographic cheering us on and, and going on our road trip and saying, yes, women can help get at the tough questions so we can get at the right solutions. Yeah. And I think also, you know, kind of surrounding those conversations with, you know, food and beverage, you know, you've got, that's the great equalizer right there. It's always easier to sit down around a couple of pints to have those harder conversations than, than anything else. Yeah. When you're eating and drinking together, uh, as long, as long as everyone's Within the open mindset, you are equal in a way, and you're yeah. uh, you know you're breaking bread and, and, and sipping beverage in a, in an environment that I think uh, fosters a, a more earnest and kind of uh, open dialogue. So I have a couple little fun peppered questions at the end, if you don't mind. A little quick fire things. I'd mentioned in my last show, much like John Oliver talks about, you know, our prison system for 20 minutes and then, you know, shows us hamster videos. We're just going to do some fun questions. (laughs) (laughs) You go, Sarah. So, okay. So what beer got you through the pandemic? Oh, my goodness. Um, It's funny because I I always have Sam Adams Boston Lager in my fridge. Yeah. Uh, It doesn't get as much play these days. I think it's one of the most sessionable, complex, layered beers. It's got decoction mashing barely discernible levels of diacetyl. It's got uh, noble hops. It's not quite a Vienna lager. It's not quite an amber lager. Amazing beer. So I've always got Sam Adams in my fridge, but we spent a lot of time dabbling and um, trading beers with people. And especially because I traveled, uh, I had uh, access to, I had been in 12 states on my Vision Quest uh, journey last year. So bringing back beers from um, back East and uh, Chicago and San Diego, so yeah, whatever I can um, have the local beers, I will go for that. What's what's your answer, Sarah? Oh, you know, it's funny. I was on the DC Beer Show uh, the other day and they asked me the same question. And I said my comfort blanket throughout the pandemic was um, a Kolsch from Fairwinds. Fairwinds is this local brewery in Alexandria, Virginia. And it's just, they just it consistently put out just a fantastic Kolsch. And so I said, much like a toddler with a teddy bear, that that was me with the Kolsch. <laughs> that means you really liked it. That's a great, you have elicited a great uh, story in that line. Yeah. No, it's lovely. And that, that brewery in particular, like, I don't know what it is about that brewery, but anytime I actually get to like go, um, especially when the restrictions kind of loosened up and they've got like a big open area, 
I love the crowd that it attracts. It's like everybody. There's people over 60. There's people in their 20s. There are um, children. They have dogs. They have people in suits. They have people riding up on bikes. Like there's never just one kind of person there. And everybody is like, I don't know. It's like the epitome of what you want to see in a craft brewery. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And I mean, I still think there's so many reasons to say why the small business um, beverage producer will attract just that eclectic neighborhood mix. And mm-hmm. if, if you're fortunate enough to live in a diverse neighborhood, you, you get so many examples of all walks of life. And those are some of the best best moments is that, uh, you know, look who just walked through the front door and then you bump into him a week later at the post office or, I mean, at your post, you know, box or mailbox. So pretty cool. I love it. And yeah. Yeah. No, that makes that It's such a great spot. All right. What brewery now you've been able to kind of pop around, but, um, what brewery is the top of your list kind of post pandemic or like a new brewery you're excited about, or if you could travel anywhere in the world, is there one that you desperately miss? Wow. Such big things open up because we don't allow ourselves to think about travel as much, but I, yeah. I was just in Austin. I got back yesterday from my first conference since the pandemic that was in person and I'm going to Bend, Oregon next week. Oh, um, and I'll certainly be visiting Deschutes, which is great. I have on my mind, my husband and I went on a date with, uh, one of my former coworkers, um, and he lives in Lafayette and we tootled around on electric bikes where he was like, yeah, just come, just bring your helmet. And he had extra bikes. Super oh, nice. cool. And we went, um, and we actually had Hogshead Brewing out of Denver mm-hmm. uh, on draft. So um, Stephen Kirby's the brewer. He's the real deal over from the UK. Uh, hard to understand him. He has such a thick accent. And he is just a magician and a, and a poet when it comes to brewing um, authentic English cascales. And it's the first time I had their um, bitter, but not on cask. It was put in a keg because Mm -hmm. just like every other brewery, they had to pivot. And so I guess Hogs had started selling draft beer in a more broad way that wasn't cask conditioned. And it was at that, as that glass warmed up, I was, I I was distracted. I couldn't even converse as much anymore because I was just so into the nuance of that. And I've been obsessing since, and that's about three weeks ago of getting my butt to their location in Denver so I can get a crowler um, Mm. and have, have a fresh pint of that same beer on cask. Ugh, I mean, yeah, Cascale is is like poetry. I can't. Ugh. Poetry so sessionable, right? Less than five percent <laughs> alcohol, warming up malt notes. You know, there's brown malt notes that are not aggressive and acrid, and lots of chocolate and roast. No way. Um, you know, and uh, you know, not like a, a pills or, or graham cracker or the notes of wheat malt from a hefeweizen. It's that middle grade. Take those pale malt notes. Um, and sneak in some, you know, maybe caramel um, or crystal malt that gives you a little bit more color. Uh, and also, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know if they have dextrin malts in there for some body, but, you know, these are low alcohol beers that do have girth, that do have mouthfeel, that can mm-hmm. stand up to, uh, you know, many a great grilled, roasted or smoked um, type of meat or, or, or vegetable. And I love a good English bitter. It's yeah, it's it's really hard. It's really hard to beat that. And for those of you who've been listening to the show for a while, or if you want to go back into the into the older episode, shameless plug here, um, we did a really wonderful uh, conversation with Union out of Baltimore and their cask master. So definitely go ahead and check that out. Um, well, 
Julia, thank you so much for taking the time. I greatly appreciate it. I'm excited for all these new endeavors and I appreciate your thoughts on, you know, everything going on in the beer world today. Thank you, Sarah. Um, and if I could kind of sum it all up in a nice little bow, I mean, we all should be in a, I think, a space of radical candor and refreshing reckoning in our culture and within our own lives and, and, and the day-to-day way that we operate. I, I hope I continue to grow into a space not of uh, anger, but love and approachability, but also not scared of the tough conversations. And just that alone, that that mantra and that mentality and approach is really um, helping me grow in ways that I just never anticipated. And I'm, I'm grateful for it. And anyone that wants to to, to ride on that train or, or travel in those lanes, I would encourage you to, to give it a go because it, it can be very rewarding to actually talk about what matters and don't back down when, uh, when you want, but don't approach things with, um, with anger. It's a, it's a good way that I'm, I'm practicing my life on a day-to-day basis. I love it. Well, thank you all for listening. This has been Beer Me Radio. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. If you should have any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to reach out on Instagram at Beer Me Radio, email beermeradio at gmail.com. Check us out anywhere you get your podcast. Please like, follow, comment, subscribe. Otherwise, we will see you next show. Cheers. Cheers.